Welcome to TMZ Live, Harvey Levin here. Charles here. We broke the story this morning. Um, it was one of the most improbable things that I could imagine. Kevin Costner and Christine Baumgartner have settled their divorce. This was an all-out war. Yeah. How do you go from Ten to nuclear zero. war yeah. down to, okay, we're going to put down our, our weapons, lay down our weapons. And, I uh, have an answer. Uh -huh. <laughs> I think I have an answer. That when you keep losing and <laughs> dig and you dig yourself into a hole, mm -hmm. at a point, you kind of got to wave the white flag. Yes, and it's, in this case, uh, the white flag would have been waved by Christine, who we've been telling you was um, challenging, was setting up to. It certainly looked like she was going to challenge the prenup. Uh, that's not going to happen now. We already know that she lost on the child support battle. She wanted... Uh, what, almost half a million dollars, dollars a month annually, um, and ended up getting sixty-two thousand. And uh, she remember she wanted she challenged him on when she on she leaving the get, house, getting kicked out of the house. And the judge said, "No, nope, gotta support. go." She was losing every battle. But here's what we know: so they have settled this. The, she signed and Kevin signed a three-page document over the weekend, um, laying out the terms of the settlement um, and the. Um, his legal team, which was headed up by Laura Wasser, who's a huge divorce lawyer, uh, not just in Los Angeles, really in the United States. She had won a series of legal skirmishes, and the latest was that Christine wanted $855,000 for her attorney's fees to essentially challenge the prenup. And... Uh, Laura Wasser filed this blistering response to that, saying this is absurd that they're just basically... Haven't even done it yet. Yeah, and you're asking for 800... That would be 1,100 hours of work. And so I think the handwriting was on the wall. She realized that if she challenged that prenup and lost, she would have to repay Kevin um, more than a uh, million dollars and pay his attorney's fees for that. And I think they just realized we are not going to win this. I want to make one other point, um, that Christine, had she just settled this earlier, she could have walked away with $75,000 a month in child support because that's what he offered her. Right. She wanted two hundred and forty-eight, and Laura Wasser said, look, the appropriate amount is actually $63,000. That's exactly what the judge ordered. She could have gotten right. more so she had lost she settled. Adam, you know, and so I think- Ten plus thousand dollars every So month. he is going to cut her a check for more than what the prenup provided. I don't believe it's going to be a lot more, but that's, mm. that's the notion of settling. So she gets that check. They're going to get joint custody. Um, she's getting the 63000 a month, and it's over. It's over from, like you said, nuclear war to settlement in a, on a dime. And how in the world does that... I mean, I get what you're saying, that she was taking a lot of losses, but at a point... To get it to come down when she's clearly, Christine wanted all these things, and how do you suddenly just go, no, I'm not going to fight anymore? Because to me, it, it felt anyway like it wasn't just about money for her. It wasn't. That, that it was no, no. personal. I think you're right, but the judge made it clear, and I think we can get into that with our guests, but the judge made it clear the judge was going to enforce the prenup that she was gonna lose this case, mm -hmm. and I think that she just cut her losses. Well, let's, uh, let's bring in our guest, someone who understands exactly how these battles go, because uh, Chris Melcher is himself a fabulous divorce attorney here in, uh, in LA, 
And um, he, he was actually, actually in a couple, a couple of the hearings. Is that some of these hearings? So uh, Chris is joining us now. Chris, welcome uh, to TMZ Live. Hey, Chris. Hey, thanks for having me. You surprised? Well, I mean, always in these cases, because they didn't need to do this and, and to themselves, they didn't need to do it to their family. I think if they would have sat down and both been realistic from the get-go, that they could have predicted how this would have rolled and um, could have just made that deal early on. But I think your assessment is spot on that uh, Christine had some very extravagant demands for child support. They were kind of ever increasing. And as I followed the case, it was hard to even keep track of what the number she was asking for on which day. And the judge was just shutting her down. Um, and she saw the writing on the wall and, and made the deal that she should have made, that they should have made from the beginning. So, Chris, I, I, I know I hear what you're saying, that she should have made that, and we laid out the numbers why she kind of took a loss by fighting the child support. Um, but what about this notion, because it seems like this is what she had, at least this is the premise for her, that we, our life with Kevin um, was at this life, this is the lifestyle, and the kids can't suffer. So if her argument is not so much, it's not for me, Your Honor, it's that I need the kids to live the same lifestyle they do with, with Kevin. At least in the movies, that's what people hear, right? This is, <laughs> they hear, this is the lifestyle that, that we've all become accustomed to, Your Honor. I need X. That doesn't fly, huh? Oh, no, it does. It's a great argument. It's just that X equals 63,000 or even the 75,000. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it, you know, she's not suffering off of this. And, you know, just I, I know when we deal with these cases, we kind of get used to these big numbers. But most families do not live off of 63,000, even in a whole year. We're talking tax-free spending money. And so for her to say that she can't do that in one month was just ludicrous. And we also got to keep in mind, these are not Hollywood kids. These are Santa Barbara kids. It's a different chill lifestyle over there. They don't, the Costers themselves, the parents had a really big lifestyle, but the kids not so much. So she's going to do just fine on the $63,000 well, a month. She does, she does have to pay $40,000 a month in rent for now. At least that's the house that she's in now. But she also got some extra money for that. I'm just saying that 63000 suddenly doesn't seem like that much when 40000 of it goes to rent. Yeah, and she could have got more, as you pointed out. Kevin offered 75000 a month, so he was definitely stepping up with a big number. Um, had they settled, she could have rented something cheaper, but she was trying to bolster her case by saying, look, Judge, I've rented this really expensive place, and so now I need more. And so she took that gamble. So I, I hopefully now that they're going to find peace, they're going to settle down. Maybe she can get out of that rental and get into something, you know, I want to say, more affordable or appropriate and put some money in the bank here for herself potentially. But the child support is for the kids. It's not for her. And the message that was coming across when I was watching her testify was more about her, more about her needs than what the kids really wanted. So look, I, I really was excited to talk to you today. I want to get into something. I, I don't know if you feel comfortable talking about it. Let's talk about the game here. Because Christine was not acting alone. She had a legal team. So that legal team was the one that asked for all of this, asked that the kids not have to fly commercial. You know, at a point when lawyers push too hard, it seems to me they don't do their client 
a good service. Well, I've given a lot of thought to that is, you know, who's the captain of the ship here? And, but I listened to Christine testify in court and I think she was the one calling the shots, not her lawyers. Uh, she testified, you know, that this really high flying lifestyle is in their children's DNA. She even broke down in tears talking about what would happen if she didn't get, you know, these vast sums of money for support. So my sense is, is that it wasn't the lawyers driving this, that it was her. Uh, I think she was probably getting some fairly solid advice in terms of what was realistic. And, and, and she just, my sense is she didn't follow that, you know, but of course it's a team. And as a team, they miscalculated when they rejected that offer for 75000 and then just kept upping the ante. So definitely there's a game being played on both sides. And what happened is this judge in Santa Barbara, Judge Anderley, he runs a tight ship and he was not, he was decisive and he was not going to allow this to play out. And that's really what put the squeeze on her. We're out of time, but I'm just curious if, is this a clear win for Kevin? Oh, it's an absolutely clear win for Kevin. He stood his ground. He offered up a very serious amount of support and he was validated. So clear win for Kevin. And hopefully, again, this family will find peace going forward. Well, okay. I mean, the, the legal part of it is over. Hopefully, as far as how Kevin and Christine interact, be determined. that's up to them. Right. <laughs> Chris, thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. Appreciate it. Did not see this coming. No. <laughs> Did not see this coming. That's not the way it was headed. Okay. A happier family A now. happier family, yes. Um, uh, Rihanna and ASAP Rocky, you know, of course, had uh, their second child, uh, another baby boy. With the best name ever. Riot. Uh, Riot Rose. And um, he is now making his debut um, because they released a few photos uh, of the, the full happy family. They've got uh, RZA. Baby RZA's there, too. And it's their first time seeing Riot. That is a beautiful family. Gosh. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Oh, my God. That kid. <laughs> that kid has the best name. I'm so jealous. That kid has a great name. What's really, what's you really want to be Riot? It's Riot, it's Riot Rose? Riot Rose is the middle name. I love Rose that. Rose is the middle name. Yeah. I love that. It's kind mm -hmm. of Riot and Sweet. Riot and... <laughs> it's really, oh, I see your point. I yeah. like it so much. Oh, my God. Congrats. Kind of interesting, though, that they, they put him in pink, though, no? Kind of progressive. Usually, uh, boy, it's blue, right? You're too traditional. It is. Devin. That's very traditional, Devin. You got to let go of that, man. Nobody's doing that anymore. No, I shouldn't say nobody's doing that. But. Um, anyway, congrats. Yeah. Real Housewives of Orange County star Shannon Bedore uh, arrested over the weekend. We broke this yesterday uh, that she was arrested early Sunday morning. The accident uh, that she got into um, was actually Saturday night just before midnight. And now we have surveillance video that shows... We should say she got arrested for DUI. Yeah, oh, sorry, did I not say yes. DUI and, um, hit, and, and hit and run. And the evidence um, is pretty clear on this surveillance video in Newport Beach, California, this wow. is. And she... She is out of control. You comes, saw that turn? Comes around that corner, clearly with too much speed and just loses control, careens into that house. And leaves. Just, and, and leaves. By the way, she just missed crashing through the front door of this house. Um, but she leaves. God, look at that turn. Whoa. Yeah. Oh. It's, like she didn't, it's almost like she didn't know where she, she is was. Out of, she's out of or, control. Um, but she then drives off. Now, police ended up, police were called to the scene. Um, when they got there, she was pretending, she was out of the car, pretending 
to walk her she dog. walking her dog. Which is crazy, The dog right? was in the car with her. So, so she, she takes out of the, the dog out and pretends like, oh, da, 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 oh, da, da, da. walking my dog. Yeah, I'm walking my dog. <laughs> Never mind the car that's over there that's damaged. The cops <laughs> did not buy it. Yeah. And they arrested her. Well, she didn't really park her vehicle in a conspicuous spot either because it was allegedly kind of in the middle of the road when she left it to walk her dog, survey the damage. We also kind of know a bit of uh, a timeline of what led up to this arrest. Uh, she was at a restaurant about half a mile um, away from the crash scene uh, before this happened. We spoke to someone there who said uh, she was she was friendly. She may be seen that she may have had a little bit to drink. She was holding a, a drink at the time, um, but it wasn't like she was super out of control. Did they do a, a, a breathalyzer on her? I'm not sure if it was breathalyzer or blood. I know they also did a field sobriety. And we, but we don't know what the blood alcohol yeah, was. Yeah, we don't know what the results were. Um, but she was charged with two counts of DUI, so it had to be oh, 0.08 or 08. higher right. uh, for her to have that second charge. So we know she, at but least the, the cops damage, say she was legally, yeah, wow. I mean, if not for that planter being there, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, it could have been a lot worse. But the hit and run is much more problematic because in California and in most states, uh, if you get arrested for DUI and it's your first time, usually you usually. get probation. Yeah. Hit and run is different, um, and cops and, and judges will give jail time for hit and run. It can be a felony. It could be a misdemeanor. This one is a misdemeanor just because the damage wasn't right. that bad. But they could give jail time for something like yeah. that, um, and especially if she's trying to fool the cops and walk the dog and <laughs> right. all that. Um, we will see. Bonjour. Harvey and Shell. I'm Marie-Christine from Montreal. The first thought that came to my mind when I saw that Shannon had been arrested, did she call Gina? Did she ask Gina for help? Oh. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. It's a dark alley. It's so narrow. You see she's speeding. And Shannon is always about excuses. And the fact that she used her puppy, her dog, as an excuse that she was walking him, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, no kidding. Anyway, au revoir. Au yeah, bonjour. <laughs> okay. I was waiting for the location. I thought it was going to be, you know, somewhere in France, but Montreal, Montreal works, works for me. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to be there. We're going to move on. Yes, to uh, Taylor Swift making big moves in Hollywood, possibly, um, because she had a power dinner with uh, three very successful, powerful women in Hollywood. In fact, you might even say at this moment, maybe the most powerful woman in Hollywood. I would think so. I, yeah. think, I think that's absolutely true. Uh, she went out to dinner in New York City with, um, among others, Greta Gerwig, who, of course, is the director of Barbie, the billion-dollar-making Barbie. <laughs> um, so And Laura Dern. And also Laura Dern and Zoe Kravitz. Um, yeah, they all hit up... Uh, now, which... Wait, which restaurant did they go I to? I don't... Now? I forgot. Taylor has... Like a handful of restaurants. I think she, she really likes loves. El Carbone. Yes, she loves yeah, El Carbone. Yeah, let's not get hung up on the restaurant name. All right, all right, all right. Let's, all right, talk, right, let's right, talk about the okay, significance okay. We like of, why, food. of what it means that she's out with these women. So as to Greta Gerwig and why that's a big deal, obviously Barbie is the biggest movie of the year, one of the biggest movies in a long time, frankly, made over a billion dollars, and there is still no official word of a sequel yet as to the reasons for that as to why, who knows, maybe there's money in contract, et cetera, but... There's a lot of talk of Greta Gerwig possibly coming back to direct a Barbie 2. And if, in fact, that happens, you got to imagine they, they got to up the ante, up the stakes. And considering Taylor Swift is one of the biggest, if not the biggest name in music right now, 
Um, you got to wonder, are they talking about Barbie 2 potentially? And the reason people are even speculating that is because Dua Lipa, who's also a pop star, she was part of Barbie. She was not only part of the soundtrack and one of the biggest songs in the movie, she was actually featured in the movie itself as like an actor. So look, Taylor's dabbled in some acting already. We know she's got the pop music locked down. So if you're going to do Barbie 2, you got, and if you want to make a bigger splash, what bigger splash is there than Taylor Swift? So what you are ginning up here, because, uh, <laughs> and hey, it would be a big story. It makes a it lot of sense, sense that there, there's a conversation that may lead to the sequel being announced. Is or the, I possible. mean, look, it's all speculation, but sure. I imagine Greta and Taylor are probably, they probably are talking about it. And look, Taylor is very on brand for Barbie as it is. In fact, she probably should have been in part one. But hey, if part two's coming, why not get Taylor involved? This summer, there were two things that were equally popular and everything else was way below, and that's Barbie, Barbie and Oppenheimer. And no, Barbie and Taylor. So they're both <laughs> at the same level in wow. the sense that they're billion dollar franchises. Boy, poor Oppenheimer. And there's gonna be a sequel, right? I mean, there's no version where there wouldn't be, correct? For there's sure, no I mean, eventually Warner Brothers will cough up whatever money they need to to get everyone else back. But yes, it is probably gonna happen. I, that's what I imagine. Is this accurate? There's only been, I think, one billion dollar movie that didn't have a sequel, and for obvious reasons, Titanic. Is that oh, true, right. is that true Fabian? Is that accurate? It is accurate, Jack died. Wrote, the old woman died too. No, no, I know that, I, I mean, that there wasn't another billion dollar movie <laughs> that didn't have a movie. Yes, I know. That is, that's accurate too, yes. There's no other billion dollar sequels besides, outside of Titanic being the exception. Thank you, Fabian. <laughs> Letitia from Dallas. And guys, can we just admit that Taylor is the golden girl. Anything she touches turns to gold. So it doesn't surprise me that she's meeting with Greta and them and anybody else who's smart would attach themselves to Taylor because everything she touch, touches goes gold and platinum and diamond and whatever she wants because <laughs> Taylor is the boss. And if they do that, I see them putting her in a movie and maybe making her a femme fatale or something. And who knows? Travis could make a, you know, cameo. Who knows? I don't know. Taylor is the queen. Oh, we're already casting Travis now. Wow. That relationship's got to last a long time for them to get through a movie. It has to even start. <laughs> you don't even know that it's started. I think it started. Congresswoman Lauren Boebert has been a hot topic lately, but not for legislation. It's more about what happened on a night at the theater. Um, you've seen the surveillance videos by now. Um, this, by the way, has got to be good for Beetlejuice because everybody's talking about Beetlejuice. No kidding. I was like, who knew that, that Beetlejuice was so titillating? Um, but yes, she was, uh, went to see in Denver, went to see a performance of Beetlejuice the musical um, with this gentleman and we got her in D.C. talking about this. Now, you know, of course, that there have been a lot of the blowback against her has been that she, one, lied when it first came up and said she wasn't vaping. I wasn't vaping. I don't know why they kicked me out. I mean, the video was clear. And then the video showed I mean, you her see, vaping. You see her yelling at the woman who actually complained about the vaping. Insulting her. Calling her, what, a miserable. Miserable and sad. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and then they got booted from uh, the joint because she was also standing there singing. Uh, and disrupting the crowd, so they escorted them out. She flipped off the usher on the way out. So now we get her in uh, Washington, D.C. at Reagan National. Yes, and uh, this is the next bombshell to drop in this story. Uh, it is about the man that she was out on the date with. Um, you may have read that he's a Democrat. That is not the most shocking thing here. First date. Yes. First date. That's the shocking part. So um, <laughs> here is what Congresswoman 
uh, Bobert has to say about um, her date, that first date, and whether there will be another one. All future date nights have been canceled, and um, I learned to check party affiliations uh, before you go on a date. Uh, but all in all, um, you know, it was, uh, it was mostly a lovely time, and you know, I've taken responsibility for my actions. Uh, I'd love to know how the, the musical ended, and I encourage people to go and see it. When you say affiliation, as far as knowing not to date the opposite side. Well, TMZ, I'm pretty sure you told the world I went on a date with a Democrat. So, is <laughs> that date people. life, is that over with him? Because of, some people say, because he, he had a drag bar, or his, his Yeah, no, nothing, anything? nothing to do with anything anybody reported, but okay. honestly, he's a private citizen, and, um, uh, you know, we, we peacefully parted at this time. Uh, great man, great friend, and I wish him all the best. Wow, that was that was a, that was a like lot. Part she was most that was a lot. Most upset about was that He's TMC. You told the world I went on a date with a Democrat. Like that's the most awful thing. Uh, well, he went on a date with you, Congresswoman. So <laughs> we should what we sh we should take a positive here that it is possible to fraternize with people of opposing. <laughs> political views and have a good time. I'd like to offer the congresswoman if she'd like to go and see the end of Beetlejuice, I am <laughs> offering myself up to take her. Oh my, Jesus, uh, wow. Let, let, Hancock. Oh, oh, kidding aside, <laughs> but I'm not kidding. Uh, it, it, this is actually a, a rarity, I think, in politics. She she sort of took responsibility, didn't she? I, I was surprised that she actually said, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of wrong and I'm disappointed in the way it played out in front of everyone. Just to be slightly critical, she did take responsibility after the video came out. Right, she did lie In first, the first Charles. place, she lied. She lied. Right, right. But and then it became clear she could obviously I not mean, lie anymore. We saw what happened, and then it, you know, right. the jig was up. Hey, Bradford Broyles, Naples, Florida. You know, years ago, Bobert's behavior would have been uh, cause for resignation, but in this post-Trump world that we're living in, a good sex scandal doesn't, uh, doesn't boot you out of, out of Congress. But let's take the positive here for a second. I mean, Bobert's a Republican. The, the theater dates a Democrat. There's a spirit of cooperation between the parties. Oh, they were cooperating. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, they were cooperating. So, come on, that's that's going to be a positive. And, you know, this could be the framework or roadmap going forward for, um, you know, for people in D.C. to work together. Uh, you know, Americans uh, deserve a happy ending, not just our politicians. So let's get it together. The worst things she did. By the way, Reagan, excellent timing, as he said, cooperation that you took to the video <laughs> of what was happening right. there. Right. But yeah, I mean, look, it, the worst things she did, the lie about vaping, so it's not the worst Insulting lie the woman behind and her. And insulting the woman behind her. Um, Neither of those things should get you kicked out of Congress. Is Beetlejuice coming to DC? Because <laughs> we know who's gonna she be needs, in the front she row. She needs to see the end She's of it, gotta right? see the ending. <laughs> Everybody okay. deserves a happy ending, as he said. Okay, we are taking a break. All right, when we come back, the InSync tour that everybody wants to see just got better, if it happens, because they could be joined by Backstreet Boys. Yes, a mega tour, is it possible? We spoke to uh, Howie from the Backstreet Boys, and he is all about it. Welcome back to TMZ Live, the momentum for an InSync tour uh, keeps growing, even though <laughs> they have not said anything about going on tour. They do have their song coming out. A song. Yes, a song, and that's it. They're not talking about an album. They're not talking about a tour, but the fans were so excited to see them together last week at the VMAs. Um, I, I think that people believe if they just push forward enough, it'll happen, and honestly, I think it might.
Uh, and there's someone who might be joining them or someones who might be joining them on tour if it happens. Boy, this would be amazing. I, I, I think you'd, you'd have to call it a mega tour if you actually got NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys together on the same tour. Uh, the possibility of that seems a bit more likely now uh, after this conversation that we had with Howie Durow from, uh, from Backstreet Boys. Uh, we got him out at LAX and talked to him about all the fan excitement about NSYNC and whether or not the Backstreet Boys would be interested. All the fans of like the boy band era mm -hmm. have made it like their mission to like will into, into, into reality a, a co-tour. Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. Wouldn't that be the biggest tour of all time? <laughs> like yeah, it would be I think, so I think fans would really dig it. Yeah, we're, we're open to it. We'll see what comes of it. You know, they're, they're getting back together themselves. They got a, a great probably first run themselves to do that they deserve really well and probably the fans are expecting it. Yeah. But if it makes, you know, makes sense and the stars align, we're always down for anything. If Backstreet Boys and NSYNC came together, that would literally put millennials in a cardiac arrest. Oh my God. Like it would be okay, the well, biggest we don't thing want that. on we don't the want planet. That. But here's the thing, with NSYNC, we know that there was really nothing in the works as far as like a tour or anything like that, but they have to be listening to fans, knowing that we are desperate for them to have a reunion. It's been, you know, 10 years since they've really gotten together and now they're finally getting together. Even though it's just for a troll song, they have to recognize that there is opportunity here for them to make this happen and it would it would sell out you guys i'm talking in seconds it would put oh, ticketmaster yeah. like in the hole like Actually, it would be insane i have to say they I, could sell out individually but together they could each I mean, sell out individually forget together forget it. i just thought it was interesting that howie said they deserve in sync deserves to have a, a tour or leg of a tour or whatever on their own because backstreet boys remember when they came back together was a huge thing and they've continued touring for years now but That's not what I glommed onto. What I glommed onto was he said, we're open to it. So it wasn't just him yes, talking. There's, no, there's been a conversation. There's clearly been a conversation among the Backstreet Boys, and they're, unless he was speaking out of turn. But I, well, I, well I he said, we're so. open to it. I mean, I think, I think what he's saying is they have had that talk, and they would like to do it. So kind of the ball's in the court of NSYNC right now. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's Langston from Washington, D.C., and let's just say, this would be an iconic stadium tour between NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. I mean, come on now. It's like getting Beyonce and Kelly on stage for a reunion tour. I think this would be quite major. And honestly, this is a great time. Like Taylor Swift said of the awards, you guys must be doing something. Hey, Langston, I, I got to call you out, man. You, you left Michelle out. You just said, oh, just Beyonce <laughs> and, Kelly. and Kelly. How about Michelle? Yeah. Man, we love no Michelle. Re no love respect, Michelle. man. No respect. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we are going to move on to another pop star. Yes, uh, a very upset one. Britney Spears uh, just discovered, it sounds like, she just discovered that there's this trend that's been going around uh, on the internet. You've probably seen these videos that, and depending on your point of view, it's either hilarious or really upsetting. And for Britney Spears, it is upsetting. It Talking is, about it the, is dark for Britney Spears. Yeah, it just really took her, something that a lot of people have just looked at on the internet and laughed. It's took funny. Britney to, as you say, a dark place. This is the, uh, the challenge where uh, parents or just adults get around a kid. They say, we're going to crack an egg. And the kid thinks they're gonna, everyone's cracking an egg, and instead they crack the egg on the kid's head. 
Ha ha ha. Well, <laughs> that was funny. I didn't see that. Yeah, because she actually hit him back. That's so funny. So Britney saw this trend and said, uh, if she, referring to the little girl, I'm sure, would have only just slapped the blank out of them. Stay classy, folks. Uh, nobody's laughing when she does it back to them. Well, Harvey, you did. Well, they are laughing here, but what if I showed up there? And then she goes into a diatribe. Yeah, similar things have been done to me, so I look at this with different eyes. Most of my inner conflict with people is knowing the enemy is right in front of me, but I kept them because I loved them. I'm extremely sensitive to anybody laughing at someone or bullying in any way. There's clear references to her family. Clearly, she's saying that uh, they're right in, her enemies are right in front of her and I couldn't leave them because I love them. That's clearly her family. And what you gotta wonder now is, her memoir is coming out next month. Yeah. And, you know, it seems like it uh, is going to torch uh, the Spears family. I mean, you have to remember, this is Britney writing about her life for the first time. It's called The Woman in Me. So you have to assume that she's gonna heavily write about her family. I mean, she's had a very tumultuous relationship with her family over the years. I think this is Britney teasing the book without dropping the name title of the book and saying, this yeah. is about my book. I think you're right. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. But I also think that there is real emotion there that got triggered by this yes. challenge, yeah. which is, I don't know, it's um, unusual. All right, guys, my name is Polo from Houston, Texas. I think that it's very unfortunate that Britney is very easily triggered when it comes to her family. And I think that this book is going to tell a lot. You know, over the years, there's been a lot that's came out about what Britney possibly went through. But I think that this book will open up a slew of things that she really has went through. And we will really get to understand what it is that she really feels. It will be interesting what the reaction is, because there are certain things she said that didn't that prove that out. weren't true. And she go back to that. So you will see. I, I don't know what, how the family is going to react to it. We will see. You know, John Stewart has deservedly been applauded for uh, fighting really hard for the veterans uh, of our military. Um, and I think that he would be really interested in the story of our next guest, uh, General Greg F. Martin. He led thousands of troops in Iraq and encountered some very intense combat situations. And years later was diagnosed as bipolar. The story he's telling now is about how that diagnosis came to be, and it has to do with what our soldiers are actually dealing with when they're in the field. And this isn't, we're not talking about PTSD. That obviously is something, but this is different from that. And what actually happens uh, inside the brains of our soldiers when they are at, in war. So uh, joining us right now to talk about a book that he has written, uh, General Greg F. Martin. His book is called Bipolar General, My Forever War with Mental Illness. Uh, General Martin, welcome to TMZ Live. Thank you very much. It's really an honor and a privilege to be with you. Um, and right back at you. Um, and thank you for all your service. So I apologize for this because until we were getting ready for this, I was under a bad impression. I thought that bipolarity was hereditary, but I guess it's not. It is in most cases, uh, but the way it really worked for me was I had a genetic predisposition for bipolar disorder. So I had a gene in my brain from birth 
but it was inactive and it didn't come alive until 2003 when the intense thrill, euphoria, stress, trauma of leading thousands of soldiers in combat triggered that gene. Mm. And then my bipolar onset occurred and it came alive in my brain. I had never heard that before. So General, how you know, I'm just curious, how common is that inactive gene in people? Is it a, is it a kind of a one-off thing or is it this more common than we thought? Well, about three to 4% of the global population have bipolar disorder. So three or 4% have it, but there's probably, you know, many times that number who who also have it, but either are not aware of it or have never been diagnosed. So the number is, is probably much more, much higher than that. Um, as far as in the military, um, I read a statistic the other day that uh, one in four veterans have bipolar disorder, one in four. That That's much higher than the national average, which tells you that you probably have something comparable to that in the active serving force. Now, you like you lots of people who maybe have the bipolar gene, it may stay passive and never get activated for their whole life. And so bipolar never they never have an actual onset, but the gene is inside them. But it's unknowable because uh, science hasn't figured out a way to test people to see if they have the bipolar gene or not. You know, there's no blood test or genetic test that can tell you, yes, I have it or no, I don't. Until it actually comes on. You know, you, you, we hear these stories that you know people don't like taking their meds because it they're 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 they feel off and they get off the meds and then they have another episode. How has it been with you since it was, it was diagnosed? Well, during my time of really severe bipolar disorder, which by the way, I'll have it for the rest of my life. It never goes away. I have to manage it like a chronic disease. Um, I went into states of intense, full-blown mania where I thought I was Superman. I thought I could fly, thought I was the smartest guy in the world, thought I held the keys to world peace, was on a mission from God. I mean, I was, you know, way out there in terms of, of, uh, of, of mania and it, um, it felt so good. I didn't realize there was anything, you know, anything wrong with me, but in, by 2014, I was fired from my job, forced to retire. I was hospitalized. And that's when the diagnosis actually came. And I was in a state of um, hopeless depression and terrifying psychosis. Um, so, you know, that's that's kind of how it went down. And I have always taken my medication because I, I don't ever want to go back into mania again or into depression again the way I was. It was so devastating. I called it two years of bipolar hell. And so the best way I can manage it is take my medications, do my therapy, live a healthy life, and um, and, and stay stay on top of this thing so it doesn't come flaring back and you know destroy my life again. General, uh, so glad that you have Pulled, made your way through and found that balance. Uh, I'm, I'm curious if the doctors who shared this information with you, if this is something that the VA is aware of now and that that they can look for, at least look for the signs of it uh, in veterans who've come back from combat situations. Yes, but bipolar disorder can be difficult to diagnose. It masks itself among other 
mental conditions. In my case, it was hard to diagnose me because I had been so successful. So the doctors looked at me and they saw a general, they saw the stars, they saw all the success I had. And so they were reluctant to diagnose me as bipolar because most bipolar cases come between the ages of 18 and 25, much younger people. I learned so much in the last six minutes um, that I, I, your book sounds fascinating, your life is fascinating, but it's, this is really useful for people who are struggling. So um, again, it's bipolar general. Um, uh, my forever war with mental illness. Thank you so much thank for coming you, on. This is really an amazing story. Oh, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me and spread the news um, because there, I think the book, uh, it's so full of knowledge and inspiration that it could save the reader's life or save the life of someone they love. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. General, thank you so thank much you. for coming on. You're welcome. All right. Wow. I, I, yeah. I did not know about this inactive gene. I, I, I didn't either. Wow. Tamar Braxton says she was violated by burglars. Uh, burglars who went through, it seems like they were going through the parking garage um, uh, of her residence, and they stopped at her car and cleaned it out. Um, and she, th the good news is that she has all this on surveillance video um, from the complex, and hopefully this is gonna help the police actually find these guys. But is, this, they spent, is this LA County? This is, no, this was in Atlanta, ah, actually. okay. And they spent uh, several minutes going through lots of cars, but it seems like they felt they hit the jackpot with Tamar's car. Um, Look how brazen this is. It's yeah. right in the open. There Lights are other cars. Are on. There are right other there. cars there, so you would think people would be walking by. This is crazy. Clearly, has affected her deeply. She said something about this is why I have trouble finding a place because I got robbed at home. I'm not safe anywhere. I don't know why I keep getting violated. Remember, her? She had a home burglary. What two years ago? I had a lot in my car because I don't live anywhere because I'm not safe anywhere or with anyone. Now, she does live in Atlanta, she has a home out here as well. Yeah, Charles, and like like you said, this, when she put up this statement with the video, it kind of like sparked some, some concern online because people were wondering whether it happened on Sunday or whether it happened on Monday, and we actually got the police report now, and it actually happened on Monday, because if it happened on Sunday, she wasn't home at all, she was in Atlanta for the Packers uh, Falcons game singing the national anthem, so now we have a little bit more detail about what had happened, and it, it's a little weird that she says she doesn't live anywhere for things that happen like this, but I, 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 like you said, she has multiple properties. Yeah. Um, I, she's clearly just rattled by this and, and pissed off, understandably. And there are cities where this just doesn't get prosecuted anymore. Yeah, and I don't know if Atlanta's like that. I don't know if Atlanta's like that either, but there are cities where they just don't do it. I mean, we've talked about people walking well, it into- also, It also depends on how much they took, right? Although, no, you're we, saying that because this would be not viewed as a violent We've seen crime. these smash and grabs right. where nothing happens. Yeah. I mean, this is kind of where we are right now. Being in LA, it feels like um, they don't really take care of issues like this. But in Atlanta, they are definitely going to get to the bottom of it. I don't care how small it is. If this is Fulton County police, they are definitely going to get to the bottom of it. Also, Tamar is a Pisces. Pisces tend to be clumsy or accident prone. Oftentimes. Oh, you, you know what? I was with really? you until you got and to then the astrological <laughs> thing. <laughs> ah. Ah. What else do you guys want to talk about? D. King, King Sharif, Baltimore, Maryland. I think that Rihanna and ASAP Rocky are doing an amazing thing, showing up their family. I think it's love to see the Riot Rose. 
going. I think there's some safety there, not having to show off and go straight to Instagram, but actually like, you know what, this is a perfect time to doing the family thing. There's not many celebrities making it on that type of time as far as family and doing it well. Um, incorporating fashion. So you got to love what they're doing with their babies and, you know, putting some trust in the fact that, you know, people love to see them together um, and embracing that family, uh, that family oriented or, or authentic thing that they're doing. What's it like being a Lakers fan in Maryland? I'm not a Lakers fan. I do it for fashion. I love to meet. Yeah. Love- oh, oh, man. Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> Well, James Marsden uh, was surrounded by a bunch of his very cl- close friends to celebrate a birthday. And everybody's really happy for him. And I want to be happy for him also. But there's a bit of jealousy. Let's talk about it. James Marsden just turned 50. Okay, I'm bitter. And look at this guy. That's crazy. Um, yeah, so big house party last night here in L.A. And um, the cake, I think we have a shot of yeah, the cake. Yeah, the cake. And this is him back in the day when he was modeling, but he doesn't really look any different. No, he he doesn't look any different. (laughs) It's just not fair. It is just not fair. Woody Harrelson was there. Mm -hmm. Um, There were lots of stars. By the way, you know who was there? Um, Ron from Jury Duty was there. They're really good friends right now. They've become super tight. Um, They're good friends. So happy birthday, James. We'll see you tomorrow. 